Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Tremble, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Stephen Taylor. How are you two doing? Um, Pretty good. Still thinking about maggots. Uh, It's not going to stop. All right. (laughs) You'll just be having a nap. You'll wake up. You'll be like, maggots. Honestly, both of these movies, that's what I'm going to, my new paranoia. Um, The dude loves maggots. I don't know. Like, as a kid, I used to have a paranoia about earwigs, even though I know that they don't actually crawl into your ears. That was the rumor. And now I'm just going to have fears about maggots coming from walls and ceilings. Ew, and falling in your mouth, especially when we are talking about this movie. Oh. And all the, clo- all the close-up visuals of, like, them squirming. Like, you see how they move, and it just adds to the grossness. Oh, I can't. Oh. I, um... <laughs> funny maggot story but like back when i had a roommate i've only had one roommate my entire life i've been very fortunate lucky Uh, oh yes uh and this guy had a bunch of containers in the fridge that like just were sitting there for like a long time like we're talking months and finally i told him you're gonna have to clean these out and he opened up a container that had like some kind of lasagna in it originally and it was just like covered in maggots and other stuff and he just I, when he opened it, I guess the spell just hit him. And I just distinctly remember this container of maggots and lasagna hitting the ground and him just vomiting all over. And I'm like, this is great. So whenever I think of maggots, I'm like, don't leave your oh. lasagna in the fridge. No. <laughs> just, just don't. <laughs> and if you're listening to this and you're thinking, God, I left that food in there a little too long, you might want to throw it out just to avoid the maggots. But yeah, throw out that whole container at that point. Yeah, that's also a pro tip. You're not gonna ever get that container back. It's, it's gone. <laughs> it's it's uh, retired. Um, but anyways, we're not here to talk about maggots or lasagnas that have been in the fridge for too long. We're here to talk about Suspiria from 1977, not the Argento one, which we have covered. And I think when we were talking about that one, we were talking about covering this one as well. And. Uh, it's interesting. It'll be a good conversation to have in terms of like how these two movies juxtapose each other. Cause I think they both have strengths and weaknesses and they both do things differently. But uh, primarily this, the original is such a weird movie, but it's colorful. It's got some amazing, it's got an amazing soundtrack and I don't know, this movie just always, feels like a world in and of itself but also feels like such a weird movie nonetheless to uh talk about so we're talking about yeah suspiria the official summary Susie travels to germany to attend ballet school when she arrives late on a stormy night no one lets her in she sees pat another student student uh fleeing from the school when pat reaches her apartment she is murdered the next day Susie is admitted to her new school but has a difficult time settling in she hears noises and often feels ill as more people die. Susie uncovers a terrifying secret history of the place, which, spoilers, involves witches. So, 
Um, yeah, this is a, a very weird movie, but I think when you're thinking of Jalo films, I think you're hard pressed to find a movie that more closely is iconic to that aesthetic than Suspiria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and not to say that it's like, I actually enjoy this movie. I can think of better movies in general, but I think when you're thinking of what is a Jalo film, this is the film that comes to mind with the 100%. colors and the music and the weird ass storylines. This is as Jalo as you're ever going to get it. Absolutely. I would absolutely agree with that. And I mean, it is a classic for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said on the last podcast that uh, as much as impactful and as meaningful as Argento's films are, I don't find them scary. Mm. Like, and, and this film has been listed for a long time and that on, on the, you know, within the top 20 of scariest films of all time. And I just, I, maybe it just doesn't hit me in that way in my cerebellum here, but I just don't, it doesn't, it doesn't resonate like that to me. It doesn't doesn't feel scary. It it, it it's a visual movie, a hundred percent. And I mean, uh, it's also like a very auditory. But aside from a Goblin score, which this time for this movie, Argento actually composed uh, Goblin himself. But I, I think it's the sound beyond that. It's the whispery sound because that's what Suspiria means. Suspiria means um sigh or sighing or whispering and stuff like that so it just mm. kind of adds to the whole element to everything but at the end of the day it's the color and the cinematography of this movie because it's got so many gorgeous shots so many delicious reds and and, and queasy greens in this movie and everything mm. uh and i i feel like right from the moment that she walks through the um the double door at the at the uh, at at the airport and it makes that whooshing sighing noise. I mm. think you're in a dream. Yeah. From that point on, I I, th- I don't think you're really in a reality. It feels very going, going forward. Yeah, because there's a weird there's a weird moment in the picture and a cut at that point that feels like you're at, you're exiting reality and you're entering in another real. As soon as you, because mm. then the lighting's weird. Everything's weird from that point, and unexplainably weird. Like even when, even in like broad daylight, you have weird spectrums and stuff like that. Or like that they're go- all going to bed in in the in the ballet studio. They're all going to bed under a weird red filter. Like it doesn't make any sense, right? No. And none of them acknowledge that. And I think that's because you're in a prism of unconsciousness. Yeah. I think to what works so well with this movie, and I agree that it's not overly frightening. There's one scene in particular that always frightens me, and that's the when she goes to uh, confront uh, the main witch at the end, who I always forget her name. Um, but that scene always gets me as like being mildly frightening, and it's funny because like I rewatch it, and I got like a little frightened by it, and then but like the rest of the movie, I could say. Yeah, but uh, well, and th- uh, there is a lot of kind of gore in this movie, but especially considering the colors of like the blood in particular, it's such a vibrant red. It looks pretty fake. Like when you're just mm. watching it, you can tell it's not blood, blood, right? Yeah. Um, and that that I mean, I think in terms of the style of the movie, it, it fits, but it can definitely take away the the actual goriness of it because it looks almost like red paint it doesn't really look like blood it doesn't look very authentic yeah 
And it's interesting that like when they when Luca remade this movie, he got rid of a lot of the color and sort of made it a movie that was more focused on character development and mm-hmm. stuff like that because I think he just knew there's no way those kind of stylistic choices would work in modern movies. Like it's just so weird and of the time. And mm-hmm. watching this, like I like this movie, but I could also see that if you tried to make a modern movie like this in 2021, it, it would just not fly. People would be no. like, what are you trying to do? So mm-hmm. I think Luca had the right idea there, but still watch this. I'm like, you know what? I, even if it's of its time, I still like the color and all the mm-hmm. sort of like the poppiness of it all. So mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting because even though the, the remake, I guess of Suspiria is so different, mm-hmm. they almost have, it's like their souls feel a little similar, you know, like yeah. th- there's, there's a powerful coven of witches. And then the one girl who's kind of like taking on some of the power cause she has it, but also not, like working against them. I don't know. It it's they're so different and yet I there is something that still links them even though they're so different. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I said it on Twitter yesterday and uh and I like I maybe people may may or may not agree with this one, but um I said that Dario's Suspiria walked so that Lucas could run. Mm-hmm. Uh because we have the backdrop of the 1977 Suspiria in our rear view that we can take this, we can take, you know, a large amount of the color out and mm-hmm. we can, we can, uh, well, which is, I mean, which is to be said that there's so much color in the, in the, the third act of Luca's Suspiria, mm-hmm. like, like, like to a, to a, an insane degree, but, yeah. We changed the elements instead. We cha- like yes, we have Dakota Johnson that's very much our Jessica Harper character, mm-hmm. um, uh, but we also have uh, like I mean Tilda Swinton's old man character mm-hmm. uh, on, on the outside of this. Uh, we have you know a, a protection of the secrets and a guarding of the secrets by casting those that are by casting those that are uh, um, looking to out the secrets into a pit of hell, which is, you know, Chloe Gray, Chloe Moretz and all that kind of stuff. But then we also have the splintering of the witches from within, which comes in that dinner scene uh, in Luca's version. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and yeah, the, the, the difference is character hundred percent. And I, I mean, and cinematography in a, in a new and a different way, because I, the, the the opposite between between this film and and Lucas is I find Lucas Suspiria so wholly unsettling and actually fucking freaky in a lot of parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Cool. Uh. Why we chose this? I think a it had been requested uh, quite a bit to cover it, but then also too I think after we did the original or the Luca Suspiria was like kind of like a no-brainer to circle mm-hmm. back around and talk which about i missed i wasn't on that episode oh, i missed yeah, that one right. yeah. yeah so i didn't really get to talk about that one but i uh, i mean one of the one uh, i mean lucas Suspiria is one of my favorite horror movies of all time now like it's just it's it's on that list uh but i mean Suspiria, the original it's a fucking heavyweight man like it's mm-hmm. it's it's one of those like like 
I mean, it's not the uh, on the Mount Rushmore of horror films, but it's mm-hmm. a very close honorable mention in that list. It's it's a very meaningful movie. It's a movie that had impact, especially in 1977. Yeah. Uh, and as far as doing it on this show, and yes, we did, you, you know, on the show that the the remake of Suspiria or the reimagining, the re movement, because mm-hmm. it's not really a remake. Yeah. It's just kind of a repurposing. Um, um, But also, uh, we did the movie that Dario cast Jessica Harper from. He saw Phantom of the Paradise, and he's like, I love her eyes. I want to make a movie with her. And so she got immediately cast just based on her performance in Phantom of the Paradise. There you go. Another reason that that movie goes underappreciated. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I feel like, and I don't know if I, I don't know if I brought this up on on that episode, but I'm like, if you're meant, if you're talking about like Rocky Horror Picture Show, you have to talk about Phantom of the Paradise. Like they are synonymous; they run neck and neck with each other. It's like yeah. you talk about that, you talk about Rocky Horror, and then you maybe you talk about Shock Treatment after. Like that's just that's just the way it goes. Yep. Uh, when was the first time uh, you will watch this? Uh, the 90s, uh, somewhere in the mid 90s, it was. I remember it had like a clamshell kind of a black case to it, uh, and my aunt had it. And um, I remember the the bought, uh, of course, a uh, Argento trademark, uh, uh, is uh, what's her name crashing through the stained glass skylight, mm. which is mm. such a fucking. Just the placement of that scene is so fucking weird. Yeah. Um, especially that the the that uh, the friend gets impaled down below, like out of nowhere. You're just like pulled back for this weird reveal. Yeah, and I always thought like, oh, that's so interesting. And I just remember the 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 deep latex paint blood. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting because I I feel like I liked this movie a lot more the second time I watched it when mm-hmm. I understood it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Cuz going into it, even when you know that there's going to be witches or that witches are kind of behind what's happening, it can still be a little hard to follow along sometimes. Um and maybe that is also just because I haven't seen a lot of movies that are dubbed over the way that uh, Suspiria is or a lot of other Italian films are mm-hmm. um, and so that kind of threw me off in the beginning but re-watching it now uh, especially that scene where like there's a, a just one shot of her head just poking through yeah. the glass that was creepy like there are some shots that you're like that I'm not sure why that's there but it was a little unsettling Yeah, mm-hmm. the coverage is off on that too eh I want because I rewind that scene. I, I watched that scene twice on the rewatch last night, um, and her head goes through like it breaks through the glass, and then it's almost to the point like like her, that almost her entire cranium is through that hole, and then the next shot she gets stabbed some more, and her head is back up through the glass mm-hmm. like it's it it mm-hmm. she's not dangling out. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah I. Dario doesn't have very good mirroring shots in any of his films. They all seem to have this weird fucked up uh, quality to it. And that includes like one of my favorite deaths in any of his films, which is in Tenebra with uh, Piper Laurie's death in that scene, in that movie. 
um, one of the coolest deaths, and it has like a whole camera shot from inside her head as the top of her head's coming off, but the mirroring of it's fucking awful, and if you read into it, you'd be like, yeah, it's not as good. Mm. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, my first time watching this. Uh, must have been probably around like, oh, I want to say... I saw it at the Rio, and I think it was, like, early 2010s, something like that. That'd be a great theater watch, actually. Yeah. I never got to see it in theaters, so... The Rio always has done a good job at trying to show that movie some love. I know, like, every October they play it once or twice, Mm. so... Um, yeah, shout out to the Rio. Great theater. Uh, now great. So, so, hold on, hold on. Sports bar. Don't yeah, go out of theater right now. Hold on. A great sports bar where you can check out all the hockey games and all the other sportsing that you like to watch sports. Yeah, sports are great. Sports. sports. Because yeah. sports is an essential service. We yes. need to have it. Sports and drinking specifically. See, I, I'm I'm one of the I'm one of those movie fans that can that actually pays attention to sports so when i'm like mocking it in that way it's kind of like disingenuous because i like i can talk sports to the end of the day like i I can hold up well but Mm. for the for this purpose yay sportsing yeah it's kind of funny then because then the rio being a sports bar is like specifically targeted to you because it's movies and sports yeah but we can't talk about movies (laughs) (laughs) Like the girl you meet at the bar because says I could be your girlfriend. I'm like, nah, bad joke. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, let's see here. Um, got a couple emails. Sam says the dancer escaping through a window and falling down into a room of razor wire is what really got me. <laughs> that scene is so. It, uh, it, if you uh, think about uh, it contextually it's so stupid <laughs> it's so dumb so yeah. she crawls out of that she crawls out of the window and then she looks at the door and then she jumps down and everywhere. it's so stupid yeah sand i mean maybe they have a lot of fence that they need to cover but that seems like a very impractical way of storing razor wire you know <sighs> Did they summon that? Did they conjure that there? Was she? Did she not see it? Did she? Was it not there before? Like, well, there's, there's so much unanswered stuff in that whole third. That whole, especially her death. There's so much weird shit, and that's the that's the death that I was I talked about a little bit on the last episode, where she smashes the windows on that those door for like almost no reason whatsoever. Mm. <laughs> Maybe she was really angry and she needed to let some of it she out. Just, she just rolls. She does like this weird roll into all of them. They all break for no, for, uh, with no force whatsoever. Which also like goes back to that first death where the where um the what's her name is looking out the window and sees the green eyes, and mm-hmm. also the hand comes out and forces her head into the window, smushing her head against the window for like a good like I would say a minute thirty beat. Of holding this this flattened face, and I'm like, you know what? Honestly, if this is an Argento movie, her face would have gone through that window like immediately. Like yeah. that's bullshit. Like, how was that window all of a sudden so strong? Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't super strong because eventually her face does go through it. Yeah, that's and true. and her face winds up being super strong then because she has very little, if any, damage done to her face being pushed through a window. 
how does how how did our Dario Argento's uh, um, his autobiography not be not called like you're gonna go through glass? <laughs> like, if you're an actress in my film, get ready for the glass. Also, you think too that like razor wire is gonna hurt, but like, would it kill you? No. So, uh, Brian says Suspiria is one of my absolute favorites. The cinematography and music are incredible. Mm-hmm. I will agree with that. The cinematography yeah. is great, and Goblin just kills it. So, oh man, the music like from this movie gets stuck in my head after watching it, and I'm pretty sure they have a 40th anniversary uh, movie soundtrack on Spotify. So yeah. I will be listening to that afterwards. Yeah, mm. it's like it's like the polar opposite of phenomena where that <laughs> movie level. that movie rocked or the music rocked hard but it did not fit you know and now yeah. you get to Suspiria and it's like oh yeah this just rocks hard like you just can't help but be into it when it's playing even though and, you and would think that it would fit and it's got high pitches it's got these weird these weird um tension bringing tones Mm-hmm. And the, the whispering are, that you yeah, they're spattered throughout. Yeah, and the whispering is super unsettling. Yeah, um, yeah it's. I, I mean, it's easy. This is. I don't even think this is a controversy, controversial thing to say. This is. This is the crown. This is the crowning achievement in Argento's career. Mm-hmm. This is the greatest thing that he's ever done. I think mm-hmm. he would disagree with that since he seems to think Phenomena is his greatest piece. I, but, uh... I, I, and I don't get it. I, maybe it was that was the most fun for him. Maybe that was the best experience he had making a film. But uh, I mean, all the elements that go into it. So even when we talk about the cinematography, he asked the cinematographer to watch Snow White and the Seven Doors over and over and over again because those were the color schemes that he wanted to film this movie with. Which is just such a fascinating notion to to even put forth in in, in this kind of a, a, a horror film, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I mean the way the cinematography of this movie, the the way it moves, there's 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 nothing like it. Uh, but I, I really enjoy the fact that I mean I'm, I'm constantly going to bring it back to Luca's version of this one because um, the things that really work for it he did a all like the a, a double negative version of it like yeah. the fact that he they moved from a goblin score to like this haunting score from tom york mm. um for the re- that is just i listened to that one that soundtrack quite a bit because i think it's just fucking fascinating it's a master class of scoring films and it's tom york's debut as a film composer i just i i i i I will constantly make a love letter to to uh the 2018 suspiria it's just the way it's gonna go went to a tom york live show well feels like ages ago with covid but (laughs) he played like some of the songs from that soundtrack and i think to him these songs are not necessarily a soundtrack in that it's him trying to make music for the movie. It's him making music he would have made anyways, and then yeah. making it work for the movie, which is great. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, not gonna lie, Goblin still rules. Like, oh, absolutely, Goblin absolutely. is just ugh, killing it. So. No, but I, I mean, 
I comparably to me, it was like the whole entire score of the '77 Suspiria is on par with like the score for the first first death scene in the Suspiria uh, Reimagine. Yeah. Uh, the the which is that scene. I I can't shake that scene. I think about that scene almost weekly. I think. Hmm. And like, uh. Maybe the maybe the first death in Suspiria. I think about every now at uh, the original. I think about every now and then, but not a lot beyond that. No. But like, yeah, this the latest one just has just has a it transfixes me. It has a hold on me. It really does. I I I do like that. It's almost like each of the Suspiria movies has an atmosphere that's tied to its musical soundtrack. Almost, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. Like, like Tom York is a bit. His soundtrack is a bit more haunting and subtle, as opposed to the Goblin from the original Suspiria. Although I will say, um, the end scene in the Luca version of like the 2018 Suspiria, it, it, I think I brought this up when we talked about it on the podcast. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts, Steve. The it was a bit stuttery, like the camera work for it. Took mm-hmm. me out of it a little bit, especially when it had the Tom York soundtrack over top of it. Yeah, that that to me wasn't my favorite. I almost felt like it should have been a little, like the soundtrack should have been a little darker because I think that's the point where everything is also very red for. Yeah, well, I reasons, think. But... I I think what it embodies is chaos. It's like there's there's been an order to this school and to the hierarchy, uh, to the witches that have run this for so long. I mean, uh, all the way up to mother who's been, you know, Tilda Swinton's been basically rocking it with, without um, anyone trying to assert control. Mm-hmm. Like the one, the one sister, uh, she won't, ins- she, she can't even believe to a kind of insert control or to talk back or to question the authority. That's why she fucking stabs herself in the throat at the dinner table. Because yeah. she knows that the, that's the only way out, right? But when Dakota Johnson comes into her own, like she she basically matures into the next evolution of what, like, I mean, spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen that one, but she is the next evolution of the head witch of that, of that uh, ballet boarding school, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they're really trying to show is the chaotic nature, because the old guard is basically exploding in your very in front of your face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I, 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 honestly, if you look, if you look back at at uh, Luca's work, it's the biggest crescendo that he's ever had in any of his films. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a bigger splash might be the second like the the closest one to that this is this is the biggest orca orchestra smash that you've seen in any of his films and i, I he pulls it off in in a in a way that is very new to him uh yeah. I, I don't know i think he pulls it off but yeah i could definitely see where you're coming from i also I, just think D- dakota johnson was fantastic oh film. my god i that's yeah. the movie where i i really didn't like her up until that point i i I had the stigma of the 50 shades movies and everything and i'm just like oh she's just she's just gonna be one of those one of those flash in the pan like like rom-com actors now and then that movie i i i mean forever i'll I'll put her up on my shoulder she's fucking great i mean it's 
funny that uh, her she was a little bit marred by Fifty Shades, which mm-hmm. is based on Twilight, and <laughs> Kristen Stewart and What's-His-Face also got marred by the Twilight films until they went and did other things, so it's, it's this kind of funny parallel. Yeah. Little did we all know Twilight was going to house all the great uh, acting right? talent of this generation. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, because we got... Uh... We got uh, Kristen Stewart, Robert Pattinson, Anna Kendrick. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> we may have to go do episodes on the Twilight movies. Oh, God. No, I would be down for that in a heartbeat. <laughs> I have so much to say about Twilight. <laughs> Actually, funny enough, I think I watched all of those movies with my partner at the time because she was really into them. And uh, I watched those movies. I cannot tell you anything that happens in them. Like, I just <laughs> blanked it all out of my memory. It's about vampires and werewolves, and really, that's all that you need. Didn't, wasn't there really a thing where, like, Taylor Lautner's character is, like, trying to hook up with a baby or something? Oh, no, he imprints oh. on the baby. Esme. That's what the baby's name was, was Esme. No, the baby's name is Renesme. Renesme. Which is even fucking worse. Because one of the mom's names is Esme or something, and it's like a amalgamation a, of the she's two. A re- oh, so she's a re she's a re Nesme? Like she's Yeah, she's, yeah. Because I, like in, in Twilight, the, what what's her face's mom is named Renee and Edward's fake vampire mom is named Esme. So literally they just take the two names and they smush them together. I really hope right now there's someone like just raging at their iPhone or whatever because they're like, I'm here for Suspiria. They're talking about Twilight. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm here for it because I still don't know why Taylor Lautner wanted to hook up with the baby, but because you know he's a werewolf, that's why. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I t- that totally makes sense in my mind. No, not really. Um, I mean, Kurt, if you want, we could have, I could do a lecture after this on, uh, it'll only take about a half an hour on all of the different dumb shit that happens in Twilight, because let me tell you, during quarantine, I might have watched that series a couple times, and it's dumb and wonderful at the exact same time. Is half an hour just on the first movie? Yeah, literally. Literally. Although I guess technically you don't get into the baby loving stuff until the last movie. No. Until until the gets the baby gets chewed out of her belly, isn't that the way that it comes out? Kind oh. of. Kind of. In a PG movie. This is amazing. <laughs> Listeners, let us know what you actually want us to cover Twilight. Oh please. Just like uh, I, I, I don't know if I'm pleading for no or pleading for yes, but I'm just pleading. Everyone knows which side I'm on for that. Yeah. No, 100%. Um, all right. Uh, best line in this movie. Um, I had written down... I don't know if I actually wrote down the specific line, but... Um, where is it? Madame Blanc, her like welcome speech when uh she first gets there, or Susie first gets there, and it's mm. it's kind of a little... it's creepy even though she's being very welcoming it's you can tell that there's she's a little darker yeah um uh, man uh like helena marcus like her stuff at the end is pretty great 
Mm-hmm. It's all very foreboding. Like, you wanted to kill me. You wanted to kill me. And it's like, oh, it's great. Um, I blanked on her name, but yeah, Helena Marcus. Mm-hmm. I, I just like her stuff. It's also probably, like, the stuff that, like, creeps the hell out of me, too. Even though, not an overly scary movie, but, yeah, when you get to the Helena Marcus stuff, I'm a little creeped out. So. Mm-hmm. With the weird, the weird invisible silhouette, yeah, mm. <laughs> that definitely did. So yeah, um, mine's Doctor Mandel's line of "Bad luck isn't brought by broken mirrors, but broken minds," mm. uh, because Dario Argento's autobiography is actually called "Broken Mirrors, Broken Minds." Wow! Ooh, cool. Yeah, that is a cool line, just in general, too. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, any other favorite lines? I don't think uh, I noted anything else down. Yeah. I think this is the kind of movie where, like, I think I'm so focused on, like, trying to pay attention to what they're saying because the dub's a little iffy that yeah. uh, I, it's hard for me to, like, be like, that's a good line because I'm so focused on well, trying to just disturb what they say. None of the... Uh, none of the audio was recorded on set it's all the entire movie was done adr which makes a whole lot of sense yeah so some people uh some people are speaking in italian some people are speaking in english some people are speaking in german uh like uh um uh the uh mandel he spoke in german mm. that whole time udo kier who is fucking beautiful do you see how fucking beautiful udo kier is in this movie he's yeah. just gorgeous he's absolutely gorgeous <laughs> uh oh, fuck the, the man just oozes uh genre like he's just he's so great anytime you see him he, i i fucking love udo Kier. um and speaking of if you had uh, baccarat i just watched that movie not too long ago what a movie that is udo Kier. like if you it, we're talking about um argento here yeah uh, the closest to that uh, baccarat 100 percent. it's like if if argento had all of his if he crossed dotted all the t uh, all the eyes and crossed all the t's, like he was just like perfect in his game, he would have made Baccarat. Um, but anyway, uh, he uh, Kier showed up on set, had no idea what the script was, anything like that. So his entire scene where he's talking to Jessica Harper outside before he calls Doctor Mandel over, he had a guy f- behind that that uh, concrete block feeding the lines. The whole time, which they could do because they weren't recording any of the sound. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, and another weird thing about this is uh, Argento and, and uh, Dario Nicolodi had written this as a, a boarding school of kids no older than 12 years old. Jeez. But his dad, Salvatore uh, Argento, who produced this film, mm-hmm. nixed that idea saying that we're going to get banned right away with all the death in this movie if they're, they're 12 years old. So he's like, fine, we'll make them the, the cap age 24. But Argento didn't change the script at all. So every one of these girls still speaks with this precocious naivete the whole time they still act like they're 12 years old like even the line because we're still talking about lines here even the line Susie do you know anything about witches like is she still so like weirdly precocious or yeah. when she sticks her tongue out like like when Sarah sticks her tongue out at Olga and stuff and they'll get all you know they'll get all weird like the weird taunting stuff mm. um even the pool scene that pool scene is so like two little girls talking 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, there's still like this this odd de aging to all of these characters that should be at least have some adult experience at that point. It's so interesting too, though, because it almost adds a little bit of extra uneasiness. Mm-hmm. Like it just seems a, a little bit weird that you're like they're talking like this, but maybe they're just you know maybe they're just a little immature or something. But it almost makes you extra uneasy because it's just slightly off. Yeah. All right. Um. Best performance in this movie. I can't give it to the chimp this time. <laughs> There's a dog. There's a dog. Yeah, that turns on his owner in a fucking second. Yeah. Spoilers for best kill in this movie, but it's definitely when the blind man's dog what? turns on him. That, oh, that fucking. It's fucking insane. Uh, both eggs, yeah, crazy. Sphere and phenomena, different animals, but they both are killers. <laughs> what is it with Argento and like animals? He just seems to have a deep. He has distress. a lot of hangups. Yeah. He has a lot of hangups, Kurt. I I don't know. <laughs> I think if we go through each one of his movies, and which would be honestly at the end of the day, fucking exhausting. Like if anyone's yeah. <laughs> if anyone's doing a a dedicated Argento podcast, I, Godspeed, man. Because like that, like even even after just two of these movies, I'm like I'm good for Argento for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I don't know how you guys felt about it, but I was just kind of like, I'm good for a little bit. Like we can come back to Argento maybe in a few months, but like I'm good for now. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I, I. Oh, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> I was just gonna say I when I did my, my watching for the podcast, I watched Suspiria first and then Phenomena. Oh boy. Which, like I thought, oh, I've already seen Suspiria, so I'll start with that one and watch the other one afterwards. But mm-hmm. I really should have switched them up because mm-hmm. by the end of Phenomena, I was not a hundred percent paying attention unless I saw someone dying or heard some music or something. So, yeah, definitely uh, could use a break. Although I haven't seen all of Argento's stuff, so mm-hmm. depending mm-hmm. on what it is, I, I think Ar- Argento's the kind of guy where like it's. It's like a really strong alcohol. You can only do two shots and then you're done. You're like, like, no, that's too much. I can't do more than two. I'll kill myself. Two shots and you're ready for a nap. Yeah, exactly. That's the best way to describe Argento. Um, Okay. Best kill in the movie. Yeah. For me, it's got to be when the dog turns on his owner. I always die laughing from that. I uh, visually, I really love that first kill. Well, I, and we'll call it a double kill too, um, mm. because I, I just, I, I think, honestly, when I when I think it, when it comes to the uh, the icon that this film is, I, I think that that's what you show off. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, I love the cables coming off of like off of the wall. Yeah, like that. Should, that should that that's that. I I mean storyboarding that i'm like i I know that he had to be built beaming with pride yeah seeing Mm -hmm. that come together because it's it's gorgeous and seeing the state the 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 stained glass come down and stuff oh it's great but that's that's the icon i think for this movie even in the way that it's framed in the story where it's just opening on the scene and you have no idea what's going on and then you're kind of along for the ride with Susie, who also has no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's set up really well plot-wise, even though it can be a little hard to follow sometimes. It, mm-hmm. It's 
it's set up really well. And I, I'm kind of the same. I'm teetering because I do really like the dog killing his owner. It's like, it's really sad and kind of horrifying. And I, I really like the way some of the shots are set up where it's yeah. like wide angle with him in the center and of this like plaza area. It's really cool. It but is. like just the, the, even though there's a bit of a continuity error, the, the scene of her head coming through that stained glass and like just looking up at it is so creepy. I think I have to agree with Steve and maybe go with that kill. Mm-hmm. I think the, you know, same with Phenomena. There's at least some good kills in this. And we watched some like older horror movies where like there's not that many kills or gore. And like mm-hmm. watching Argento's movies, like the one thing I will say unanimously is like there's at least a good amount of kills and they're usually of mm-hmm. decent quality. I don't think yeah. all of them age well, but you know, to at least give them some credit, they're at least there. So yeah. mm-hmm. some some movies you just wind up with them getting just stabbed and then it's done. But this one they not only get stabbed their head gets smashed through a window, uh, they fall, and then they get hung afterwards. So yep. there's, it's like yeah. a multi-layer kill, basically, yeah. where you're dying like six different times in painful ways. Which is I, all that you can ask for. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I have to uh, re- almost like uh, give a, see if we can give a, give a praise here, because uh, I'm just seeing here that Synapse Films released this film on a 4K Blu-ray. Ooh. In- november of nine of 2019 okay so if any pr people from synapse films are listening (laughs) we love you and i think each of us would love to uh come back for at least a a little tag on the end of one of our later episodes and say how beautiful this would be if we had in our possession honestly yeah out of all the like phenomena no i'm good even the 3d (laughs) version don't care don't want to see it this one in 4k easily i would i would watch it absolutely i even google the cover uh, of suspiria 4k it's just it's gorgeous and it's of the scene we exactly just talked about Mm. and it's such a gorgeous uh painting of it yeah cool um dumbest decision in this movie I mean, I would say having a room full of razor wire is a dumb decision. <laughs> That's mine. I feel like it worked for its intended purpose, so yeah. maybe not a dumb decision. Hey, look, I was really hoping that she would just get caught up in something so I could just walk in and slash her throat. That's, you know, <laughs> I, I'm feeling lazy today. Miss um, Marcus, uh, Helena Marcus, if can you just uh, have a room full of razor wire for me? That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not anything else, specifically razor wire. Like, <laughs> you could have put a room full of alligators and it would be just as slightly yeah. weird. Well, if like, we're summoning stuff, then. Yeah. <laughs> it, it does seem really dumb that, like, she doesn't bother to go investigate things until, like, near the end of the movie. And then you got that one guy just, like, spelling it all out at the end. And it's like, you should have, like, maybe done a little bit of better digging earlier. Seems. Yeah. Like, seems and, a little, like, a little dumb. The convenient timing at the end, too, where Susie walks in as they're literally talking about how they're going to kill her. <laughs> there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things where it's like, oh, you walked in at the exact moment that you should have. It's like, hopefully Susie's not gonna about to walk in through that door, because otherwise she's going to find out everything that we're about to do. Yeah. No, it's a bit, a bit silly. But you know what? I'm, I, I don't hold it against the film too much. It, it, it yeah. is what it is. There's lots of little plot things with this movie too that it's 
like just reading what some of the actors have said about it like mm -hmm. olga i think is the character that she is like renting from in the beginning of mm -hmm. the movie yeah. and i think the actress has mentioned that like behind the scenes she thinks that olga was a witch in training because of all the little things about her character which right. is like if that had been part of the plot or like i think that like the little plot things like that are 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 cool and like kind of we get a little bit of like witch lore essentially with the the german doctor or the old doctor mm -hmm. i don't know if he's german yeah. in the movie um and i think it's it's like a brief scene that doesn't always necessarily feel like it fits with it because it's very like the colors are not as vibrant and there isn't the same music playing but i i think there's like a cool story behind it too of like the old witch uh and how creepy she is and and how everything kind of burns or, or, or like there's fire involved i don't know i thought it was cool even if it wasn't really fleshed out in the movie yeah cool um i think it's time to rate this uh steve what would you give us a score of uh i mean it's a heavyweight like i said it's just it's one of those um iconic movies that always comes up in in uh conversation when you're talking about the greats when you're talking about the international greats when it comes to horror um so yeah i, I i'm gonna stick with an 8.5 out of 10 on this one mm. but when it comes to lucasfilm i give it a 10 <laughs> nice <laughs> I have to go back and rewatch the that the newest one because I didn't have time after I watched this one, mm. um, and I did that when we watched when we covered the the reimagining of it earlier on in the earlier episode. I did watch both of them back to back. Mm. That was quite that's quite the experience because they're both really good, uh, and they both have the same Suspiria essence to them, but they're yeah. so different at the same time. And now I'm like, oh, I need to go back and rewatch the new one too. I almost feel like I want to agree with Steve on an 8.5. I like an 8 almost feels too low and 9 feels a little bit too high. Mm. I might I might settle on an 8. Okay. Um, but it's tough because when I listen to the soundtrack it's like it just gets me. There's, there's an atmosphere to it that immediately takes me back to this movie, so. Totally. Yeah. I'm giving well, here's the thing. I think both movies are perfect. So I'm giving both films, both Luca's and Argento's, a ten out of ten. I think both of them are perfect for different reasons. You know, I, I like what I like what they do with the colors, and I like what they do with the cinematography and the music in this. That's a little bit missing in Luca's version, but he makes up for it by doing something with the characters and plot that's interesting. So mm -hmm. I I like both movies for different reasons, but both are perfect in my opinion even if you can tell me this movie's a garbage movie and i kind of would not fault you for it because it's not well it's got some issues but i i still i'm so into it every time i watch it so yeah i'm changing i'm changing my eight to a nine there we go <laughs> okay i've had an extra think about it and i think i'm gonna go with a nine it is such a good movie it's hard to hard to not love this movie especially when you think like this is pure jello like this is jello mm -hmm. before you know people started bringing it up in like the last decade or so because i think jello films weren't that popular but they saw a bit of a resurgence in the last like decade or so people started to hunt them out a little bit more so cool i love a good witch movie too yeah, yeah. It's just 
There's can, not many of them. Can, well, not really. And you can really get creepy with it, and or you could do it a little bit lighter. Like, I feel like there's some variety, but mm -hmm. oh, love, love witches. Nice. All right, Steve, where can people find you on the internet? Yes. I am on Instagram and uh, Twitter at the Steevil Dead. You can find me also on Letterboxd and at my website, stevestebbing.ca. And I am on the trip with uh, the sh the trip the shit <laughs> the shift with Shane Hewitt. Uh, it's across Canada at 11 p.m. Pacific. Just Google that name there, and you will uh, you'll find a way to uh, check it out. Because and then uh, follow my Twitter because I will generally retweet the clip the next day. Yeah, that's about nice. it. Nice. Uh, now I want to ch check out the trip with you and Shane. <laughs> yeah, I want to see that too. It's kind of like the Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon ones, mm -hmm. where we go. just have sparring. Uh, well, it was basically I do impressions, and he's like, "Who's that?" And I'm like, "That's mm. Michael Caine." <laughs> Michael Caine. He's like, "I don't know who that is." And I'm like, "Oh, well, you don't really watch movies, so no." It's it's really it's really not as good as the other Shrek movies. I'll I'll say that. There you go. <laughs> uh, Taylor, where can people find you on the internet? Um, mostly on social media: Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd. My username is Cersianic. Or on my blog, whenever I do anything else, I post about it there usually. CerseiAnnick.home.blog All right. And uh, you can find me over at ThreeWinners.com where we have a movie commentary for Johnny Mnemonic. Uh, a movie where Dolph Lundgren plays a homeless person. and He's barely recognizable. Henry Rollins. Oh yeah, Henry Lawrence is in that movie, and uh, I mean, I recognized him right away, but still, it was like, what the hell are you doing in here, dude? <laughs> and that would have been Rollins' band era, too, right? Yeah, like that was when he was in the height of his uh, musical fame, right? Right, yeah. It is, that's the beginning of the acting, because I think he's in Heat, I think he's... Um, there's a couple other things that I think he might have been in, but yeah, that was roughly near the beginning. Long before he would have turned, uh, like turned some horror heads in. I don't know. For me personally, he never died. If you haven't seen that movie, oh man, yeah, it's such a good movie. Good old Henry Rollins. Hell yeah, who has a podcast of his own as well. I, there we go. I love that man, and I've seen him do spoken word before, and I, I, I adore that dude. The life that that man's had. Oh, oh yeah, such an interesting guy. For sure. Um. Yeah, we're doing weekly recaps of Mandalorian, and I'm up at the point now where I've caught up, where everyone's caught up to where I was at, and now I know just as much as you all do. So, is it time for my theory? Yeah. What's your theory on Mand on well, Mandalorian? Uh, well, WandaVision. Yeah. Uh. Well. Okay. So she's had those two babies now. Yeah. So that's Tommy and uh, Billy. Yeah. Who become. Uh, Wiccan and Speed in the Marvel Universe, part of the uh, the New Avengers. Mm -hmm. uh, so hopefully they go in that direction. Uh, this whole thing is in Wanda's head. It's her way of dealing with the death of the Vision, which was already... Uh, she already alluded to that in Episode 1, and then again in Episode 3. Mm. Um, the beekeeper guy that turned around, that's I think that's Swarm. Who I already talked about in the last episode, Fritz. Uh, I forget the character's name is. 
but the villain that's going to be more prevalent in the next Ant-Man movie, I think. Mm. Uh, and uh, when the, in the comic books, when they took Wanda out of the, the fantasy that she was making in her head, she screamed, no more mutants, which basically erased mutants out of the Marvel comic world in the mm. comic book. But I think the opposite is going to happen at the end of WandaVision, which is going to bring mutants into the MCU. Ooh. There you go. My theory is, is that there's a group that's using Wanda to basically like make a path for Mephisto, who's like the devil of the Marvel Universe, uh, for him to basically enter on in there. But maybe they need her powers to do so. so that's what I think. If is that was that sword that swords involvement then right? Which I don't think it's sword. I think watch. Well, they, they've already had the sword symbol appear. Yeah, and they had the helicopter that had a sword emblem on it. I think sword will end up being on on the good side, but I think there's like another party, the one that like the neighbor is a part of, who's like basically trying to use Wanda to get. Mephisto into their realm because this does play into Doctor Strange 2 and Doctor Strange 2 apparently has Mephisto as the villain so yeah. it would kind of make sense if it was like Wanda you you got tricked into letting the devil into the realm there you go circling mm -hmm. back around to horror movies Wanda's bringing <laughs> the, devil, uh, the devil into the real world so there you go. we'll see I have not seen episode 4 I know uh, Steve you and I both saw one through three before yeah. even one came out so yeah and i've um, had to sit on that opinion for the whole time <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was tough i know i had seen episode three and episode three really gives you a lot of hints and i was like can't say anything can't say anything yeah right <laughs> it was tough that's where i've been at yeah so i don't even know when problems. i can when i can publicly bring out my this theory on twitter right now before people are like oh i haven't seen it yet no, so, yeah, because well, it just came out on Friday. Today's Sunday that we're recording this. Like, when can I come out with my theory that not on this podcast? Because, like, hopefully, maybe in the in the description of this one, it'd be like Steve gives his theory out for one division. So, if you don't want to get spoiled, don't think of it. You haven't seen episode three. Yeah. Well, we don't give it to me. We're just speculating. There's no spoilers, yeah. so you know what? Yeah. I think we're okay. Okay, good. But anyways. <laughs> Uh, people guard the, that shit. People gatekeep that stuff. So. Oh yeah, there's been times I've like talked about a movie that's like four or five years old, and people are like, "Dude," and I'm like, "You had five years to watch this movie. Like, get <laughs> my fucking back, okay? Like, you either were gonna watch it or you weren't. Like, don't give me this. Like, I can see <laughs> if it's within like a couple months, or maybe at the most a year. But like, if you're giving me shit for like spoiling, uh moonlight or something like that like yeah, get off my back you you've had your <laughs> chance to watch that movie anyways uh next episode we'll be talking about a girl walks home alone at night which is actually that's on my watch list on letterbox so i'm very excited that i finally get around to watching that so anna lily amanpour god i love her i you know what and i fucking love the bad batch i don't care that people hate that movie fucking love that there we go. they eat a girl's leg in the first fucking like the first fucking few minutes of the movie or is it her arm i don't know they eat a fucking one of her one of her appendages in the first fucking like 10 minutes of the movie 
There you and go. you're like, where the fuck is this going? <laughs> Fucking amazing. Amazing. <laughs> amazing. Well, until next time, everybody. Bye for now.